Welcome to Right, Just, and Inconvenient, a podcast where we talk about the Catholic faith and our walk towards holiness in today's cultural climate. We're your hosts. I'm Alex. And I'm Amanda. And we are both Catholic wives and mothers trying to raise the next generation of good and decent Catholics in today's world. And even though we don't always get it right ourselves, we invite you to walk with us on this journey to holiness. With everything going on in the world um, today, which my husband loves when we say vague <laughs> expressions like that. I just like thought that. about him and how frustrated yeah, I know, he was right? at the beginning. Um, but what I'm specifically referring to, at least most like recently, is Roe v. Wade. Um, but but anything, like any big issue that you don't agree with, um, a lot of times I feel like we are fighting with each other and whatnot, but... I think most of us um, are geared towards, like, goodness and truth, and we want, like, we crave truth. We want to change other people's minds because we want them to be right, too, right? Right. Because everybody thinks they're right. And um, the point of this episode is that we've recently realized um, that a lot of times I feel like we are trying to change minds, when in reality, like, we'll never change someone's mind, like, personally, like, but, like, Jesus can change minds. Like, the Holy Spirit can open hearts and change minds. But, like, we Especially can't. about the big stuff. Yeah. They can use us. Like, like we can be used to give truth and, and open hearts. But, like... Be seed sowers. But we aren't responsible for... We aren't responsible for the soil that we plant those seeds in. Like, sometimes it's just not going to come to fruition in the right. end of it because of various factors maybe it's rocky maybe it's not getting enough sunlight you don't know yeah you know the gospel yeah <laughs> the parable um exactly so um and like for instance with the pro-choice pro-life argument like we're not going to have a full episode about that again but there have been like a lot sometimes you'll like hear people who like change their mind in an instant but it's usually not because a person told a story or something yeah it's usually and not because of the, the the heated debate that they yeah. got in when they suddenly realized that oh my gosh I'm so wrong. Right. It's usually like uh, an event, an uh, ultrasound, uh, surgery. Like there's something that like clicks. But but most people, I would say the majority of people who like change their mind, it happens over a course of time. It could be months. It could be years. Like a little by little, a little bit of truth sprinkled in here, sprinkled in there. That's how people change their minds. And so, like, I feel like I've been on the let's fight for the life, like, bandwagon for a long time. But only recently, like, have I been really trying to, like, insert Jesus and, um, like, pray to the Holy Spirit beforehand to, like, remember that it's not on me to do this. So I can have these conversations and not put the pressure, like, put all of the weight on my shoulders, I suppose. And it's funny because I think we've talked before about wanting to be able to defend, when it comes to the pro-life, pro-choice debate, being able to defend our position without Jesus. Being able to defend the position scientifically, secularly, to appeal to a larger crowd and prove that it's not only our religion that brings us to our conclusion that everyone should be pro-life. Um... 
but I think when we're having these conversations, regardless of like what series of logic we're using in our discussion with someone else, like still the part where you talk about where we're kind of praying first and asking God to help us, like even if we're leaving Jesus out of our backup for why we think that a person is a person at conception, mm-hmm. um, still inviting him into our hearts and into the conversation and the way to guide us with how to talk to someone. And what I've also realized recently um, through these conversations, actually, like I'm learning a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm not by any means probably going to be convinced of the pro-choice side, but I am learning more about like why, the why. Like I'm really starting to understand it a little bit more. And I think a lot of people are wounded, like um, not just about abortion, but they're also just like wounded against religion. Yeah, and that's a big one. those wounds, like, like we try to avoid Jesus and stuff, but, like, we also need to represent, like, th- like our faith. So, like, praying beforehand, totally mandatory. Do it every time if you're going to discuss it. But, like, also, like, like, being kind and good and honest and firm sometimes, but, like, being a real example of, like, what your faith is i feel like makes just like the biggest difference definitely like we need to be able to extend an invitation to people for healing but not from us sometimes yeah like literally from jesus because like some a lot of people need healing from jesus and need him to come into their hearts and soften it before they're able to soften their own hearts like to the world yeah and soften different positions that they have on different issues or just like really accept his truth like i feel like me personally at least like i i tend to be hard like i i lean towards which is funny because i've chosen like gentle parenting for instance it's not my natural like way of being like i tend to be hard on people like i assume a lot of times that they're like being dramatic or like making stuff up and in reality like now I'm learning I feel like you learn a lot about yourself when you're a parent (laughs) but like I'm learning that like I'm like people feel deeply about certain things and it doesn't mean they're not hurting just because you don't understand it and I feel like with this abortion debate like and religion in general when people are shouting like get your rosaries off my ovaries or like all like this isn't a religious thing, church and state, yada, yada. Like, if they're not seeing that it's not, like, like, if they're just focusing on religion when you haven't even brought religion into it, it might actually be because, like, something hurt them. Yeah. And they're so, like, they're in such pain about, like, religion that they can't get past that. Yeah. Both of us had, I mean, overall, I would say that we both had good experiences growing up with our faith. Um, yes. I don't think either of us had any sort of like deep seated like negative church experience growing up. Yeah. I always say that like I feel like God put me in a Catholic family, like not even a Catholic family that like was super traditional or super Catholic even, like no, just kind either. of culturally Catholic. But he put me in a Catholic family because like I'm not one to like constantly question or I wasn't until I was like I feel like deeply rooted enough in my faith where like the questions were just like oh well great but um but I feel like if he had put me anywhere else I might not have made it to the catholic church 
Like, he knew what he was doing. Whereas, like, Andrew is questioning everything all the time. Like, he didn't need to start off Catholic to end up Catholic. If that makes any no, sense. No, it, it does. It does. My dad always raised me to question everything. And he didn't even, like, even though like, he was Catholic and grew up Catholic, like, he didn't just, like, raise me, like, super Catholic when it came to doctrine or anything, even though I was put in Catholic schools. But um, I've always been, like, as a little kid, even, like, I was always a rule follower. Like, I liked rules. I liked structure. I I was a goody-goody two-shoes, like, and I feel like I just excelled at that my whole life. So it wasn't really until later that I feel like beyond the legalistic part of religion, I needed, like, any sort of, like, experience with Jesus's love to, like, make me feel part of the church. Yeah. Like, I do think that that part has played a huge part in my life, like, in my adult life. But I think that growing up, I never needed it. Like, I was like, these are the rules, so we follow the rules. So I think sometimes I approach other people that way. Like, I need to, like, I need to argue them into submission. Like, don't you know the rules? Here's the rules. Like, here's how you play the game. Like, obey the rules. Like, that's how you do it. Why don't you want to? I feel like I have the opposite upbringing, but the same result. (laughs) Like, I felt, like, my mom did a wonderful job in making sure that I knew that like Jesus loved me. Like I felt loved and like she wasn't a big rules person. So like I always just like knew that he loved me, especially as a child when like, you know, I mean watching Julia right now, like she's at that age where like she really gets it. Like she's three and she really gets it. Like she is loved by Jesus. Like she understands it fully. And like, I don't have to really explain much more to her than that because she gets it. And, like, I felt that, too. And I didn't really understand the rules. I didn't even know how many rules there were. And, like, when I finally figured it out, I was like, that actually makes a lot of sense. And so I was so impressed with, like, the logic and reason behind Catholicism when I realized that there was. Like, it wasn't just, I wasn't just believing by faith and, like, that's it. Like, there, there is reason behind it as well. And I was like, I need to share this with everyone. Reason, reason, reason. Logic, logic, logic. And I lost the heart a little bit. Yeah. So that's just funny that ours is kind of opposite there. I think it's part of, like, what makes us really good at talking about things with each other is I think that both of our brains play into the, the rules part of it, like, the logic and reason behind the rules. And, like, and so then when we get so, like, strung up in that, especially, like, watching the Roe versus V. Wade discussions and the overturn and how people are affected by this, like, and how people have responded overall, not just to the decision, but to the church. Mm-hmm. And by the church, I mean literally all of Christianity, yeah. not even just Catholicism. Like, And there's just such a need for healing. And where we bring people to Jesus is with love. Is like by, and sometimes that means that during your discussions, be firm, but like open the door and let people know that, you know, you hear them. Yeah, like start there. Like start with, like, I hear you and whatever it is that's hurting you like that's valid and you're hurting and that's awful and I want to help you if I can and And this is still true yeah and take a second to think though like too if you were Jesus like think about what you know about Jesus and your own experience with Jesus and your experience with God's love and think about like think about how much the brokenness in the world is not God's plan for this world think about how much Jesus wants to erase that suffering and erase that hurt and like heal those hearts. And like, whenever you think about that, I feel like it's so much easier to want to do it yourself. 
Like when you think about how compassionate and loving he would be. And like he doesn't compromise truth, but he does. Like he wants to take away the hurt. Feel free to go to our episode, The Real Jesus, to get a little bit more insight there. But yeah, like Jesus was the ultimate gentle parent. And that brings me to like the idea that like with specifically with Roe v. Wade, but any issue like with with the people with trauma, like people who have had abortions or who have been sexually assaulted and or who have had miscarriages and are are scared right now because of either misinformation or just real fear over not being able to do with what they like do what they want with what they believe is just their body. Like, I mean, this is how they actually feel right now. And though we don't agree and like we know that it's not just their body, like we also need to think about where they're coming from. And if they are traumatized, they can't always hear that logic. So like I made the analogy the other day when I was talking to a friend who is pro-choice who I'm having a wonderful dialogue with right now about abortion and that like, like if my kids are in the middle of a tantrum, like they can't hear me like they can't hear my logic I can't tell them that like whatever it is is going to be okay or that like if they just put the shoe on like with my help it would go on their foot or whatever it is incorrectly yeah like they're in real pain because they're two or three and like they can't hear me like it's real trauma for them at that age and then like for these adults who are feeling real trauma like the truth is that they can't hear me and so I sit and I wait until they calm down and then I help them and so my friend who I was taught who I've been talking to she actually pointed out like that like some people just aren't ready to have this conversation right now and that's true like if you're traumatized and you can't hear right now like we shouldn't be trying to like shove this idea down people's throats however We also have talked about how, like, bringing people truth is important because there is a lot of, like, untruth going around. Mm -hmm. So, like, making sure that you pray ahead of time and, like, have a good spiritual foundation. Because, like, Trent Horn, he always, like, when he gives advice for, like, apologetics, not just about pro-life issues, but, like, in general, like, apologetics, he says that, like, the first thing that a, a, like, apologetics specialist should be is close with God, like have a good spiritual relationship first and then study. Because like, if you don't have that, then like, you're not going to be able to do anything. Very true. Also, like, I think I have a tendency to, especially when I get annoyed or frustrated, like when I am trying to convey truth and I feel like the other person is just not like, it was like when I was trying to like tutor math to people like in college and it wasn't going well because I would get so frustrated that just like, well, where did you not get it? Like, yeah. this is obviously, it's at that point where I feel like I am inclined to reach for like a jab of some sort to the other person. And I think that um, I've had to stop and really think about the fact that, first of all, especially online and discussions and comment sections, your audience that you're really going to have a probably bigger impact on than the person you are directly talking to or the people reading that discussion. Yes. Oh my goodness. Because the people reading the discussion, especially your kind of middle ground people who aren't really sure of where, you know, their own footing on the issue are not just going to listen to what you have to say logically or reason wise. They're also going to kind of judge your character some. Yeah. They're going to be like, this chick is being mean. Yeah. 
And nobody wants to decide with the mean person, no matter how right they may be. Like, if you're mean about it, you're going to create some enemies that you didn't even mean to create that you didn't even know you were creating. Because they're the ones reading, too. Yes. No, I mean, and I, this is all stuff I've learned, though, recently, which is so funny because, like, I feel like in this specific battle, since we're talking about Roe v. Wade, like, with abortion, it was, like, there was one point where I was just, like, indifferent about it. I was one of those people who was, like, yeah, like, it's wrong to kill babies, whatever. And then there was an event that happened that made me, like, no, this is bad. I need to learn more. So then I learned everything I could about it, and then I just started preaching, like, rules, like, truth. Truth. Yeah. But, like, I never really thought about the fact that I can't do it. It's not on me. No, yeah. Just, like, anything else, like... Like, being a good mom. I can't do that without Jesus. Being a good friend. Being a good wife. Like, you can't change the world by yourself. Mm-mm. And, like, the, like the what is it, Philippians 4.13, I, I think. Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like, that doesn't mean, like, I can do whatever I want Mm-mm. with Christ. It means I can do whatever he wants wi- yeah. through him. Yeah. That's a big one. And um. that, like... That is the first step to changing the world for him is knowing that he has to want you to. It applies to so much. Like I think about the relationships I have with my family or even some of my friends that don't have like a strong religious foundation or currently practicing even and like how much sometimes whenever discussing things with them or like I'll, I'll just want them to like have this immediate conversion. Like, I'll put it all on my shoulders and want them to have this immediate conversion. So much that it's like I'm putting these blinders on where I just, I treat Jesus like, like he lives in biblical times and that's all, that's the only place he is. Like, I put him away in the Bible along with the Old Testament and everything. Like, I've just put all of it away and gone, well, this is a book on one series of time where Jesus was very present and now Jesus isn't present anymore and it's my job to make sure that this person gets to heaven by arguing them into the ground over this issue. (laughs) Um, When reality, like Jesus is very much present right now in our hearts and our discussions. And like um, the other day, whenever you were entering into your dialogue um, with one of your pro-choice friends, like you said, you know, you have to pray sometimes and be like, you know, give me the words, like come Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, that's something that I've tried to practice more now. And I think you have too, like over the past year, just remembering to like say little prayers and invite God into the discussion and kind of give this acknowledgement that I want to do your will, but I can't do it without you. Yeah. It's not, I'm not willing this person to convert their hearts. Like I'm just a tool for your will to be done. You know what my priest said during confession the other day? This is, it's not exactly the same, but um, it, it does relate a little bit. I I talked to him about like sometimes God being like an afterthought for me and like like for instance I am a stay at home mom um, and so like I spend my days you know taking care of my kids and cleaning my house and like you know doing the wifely crap yeah. <laughs> <And the laughs> with so much joy with so much joy no but I do tend to like I pray while I work. And that is good. And he, kno- like, he noted that. He was like, praying while you work, you, you got to do that. That's great. He was like, and, but I, but I also said that in my quiet moments, I don't. Like, I'll scroll on my phone, I'll watch TV, like, 
I don't tend to prioritize God when I c- like have free time. Mm-hmm. I put him when oh, I'm doing geez, other I'm things. And he was like, he was like, one of his spiritual directors said this to him. He said, you don't want to have wasted time with God because that's what it is. It's wasted time with God. And so like in those moments, like of quiet, like we could be spending it with him. And like, that's when you're going to hear like the truths that might open someone else's heart or maybe the truth that it's not your job to open someone else's heart. Like, in those quiet moments with God where you're just like, I'm sorry, you were an afterthought. Like, where you have those conversations or read the Bible or, you know, just put them first for a second. Like, I feel like, put them first, then scroll. And then maybe you won't be, like, scrolling to get mad because that's what I've been doing a lot recently where I'm, like, scrolling through my phone because I want to read someone disagreeing with me. Yeah. My friend who I've talked to, and if you ever listen to this, (laughs) hi. But um, she also asked me how I was doing, and I really thought it was like weird at first because like I'm great like things went my way with this decision but then she was just like because everyone like on both sides like is kind of having a hard time right now and I was like I guess you're right like getting on the internet and seeing all of these like posts about how pro-life people are terrible yeah or pro-choice people are terrible or whatever but like like it does kind of hurt to see people that you really like believe in and like think are really compassionate like goodwill people like hating on you and your position yeah. like it's it's hard it's harder than you want it to be even if you're totally firm in your like beliefs yeah watching such like a morally good decision like produce such division between people just it sucks like that part of it just sucks yeah i think it's our job to like point out um and if they're open to it i would not leave god out of the debate if they're like, if you know that it's going to just ruin your chances of, like, opening their heart, then sure, pray about it. And if, like, you can talk about it without bringing Jesus in, then fine. But, like, if they're open to it, like, tell them that, like, Jesus loves them if they have an abortion. Like, Jesus loves them if they do whatever you're talking about. And yet, it doesn't make it okay to do it. Yep. Like, it doesn't... Just because Jesus loves me no matter what, like, I do sin. I still need to be sorry. I still need to know that it's a sin. Yeah. So, like... I still need to keep seeking truth. But lead with the fact that Jesus loves you. Like, I am not over here because I believe in Jesus saying that everything you're doing is wrong. And, like, like I am telling you first that, like, Jesus loves you. Like, because I feel like a lot of people put God in this box where, like, they're like well, my God wouldn't judge me for this, or, like, and if you're telling me that God wouldn't like me doing this, then, like, like you're telling me that God hates me, basically, and it's right. just, like, God doesn't hate you. God loves you so much. Yeah. And if I that's all you can say to someone, then just say that. I think we can all relate to that, like, I mean, there are plenty of decisions, regardless <laughs> of the moral good or moral evil, like, all of us grew up, and all of us do things that our parents probably would have done differently, that they probably think you should do a certain way. Yeah. And regardless of the moral goodness or moral evilness of whatever action, like, even if you don't do it the way that they wanted you to do, odds are that they don't hate you now because you didn't do it exactly the way that they would have done it. Right. Um, like, there's nothing that Julia or Cecilia or Amelia could do that would ever make me hate them. Exactly. Like, even if I thought that what they were doing was terrible, they could murder yeah. someone in cold blood and I'd be like, oof, that was bad. 
I love you so much. What can I do to fix this? Like to yeah. help you. But um, like your want as a parent at that point is to help give them the tools and like to help them fix it. Yeah. I think lead with love yep. and love being willing the good of the other. And in that sense, like asking Jesus to help you because he led with love. Yeah. You can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Only Jesus can do that. So. Um, yeah, I think that's a good place to end it. Um, we will be praying for you. Please be praying, praying for us and pray for each other during this time. Um, it in the Roe v. Wade world, like yep. it, this is just the beginning. The best thing we can do now is just like pray and do good yeah. for women and do so much good. children. Let's stand up for what we have been fighting for. Amen. All right. Keep seeking truth. <laughs>